2: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, in general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: That's right.
5: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying A, a podcast. podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to saver production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren
0: Vogelbaum, and today we have an episode for you about knishes.
1: Yes, this is another one in which I'm going to do my very best <laughs> uh, pronunciation.
0: Oh, all day, every day. It's okay. We're we're
1: all just working through pronunciations together. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Oh. Thank you. Uh, and also uh, another one I don't have much experience with. I don't think oh, I have any. Really? With. Yeah, You've never had a knish? I don't think I have. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, so
0: grow- growing up, half half of my family um, is uh, is is Jewish and uh, from like the the Brooklyn, Jersey kind of area. I, I know that that's a wide area, but um, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I definitely grew up with conditions in my life. I also grew up um, in areas in, in like in South Florida and went to a college that had a high Jewish population. And accidentally, the first neighborhood that I moved into in Atlanta was Toco Hills, which is like the one Jewish neighborhood <laughs> in <Yeah>. Atlanta. <laughs> And so I was like 23 before I realized that most grocery stores don't have knishes in their deli. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Um, and uh, yeah, and and lots of very very fond memories of oh, they're so good. Oh, there's just man, like like put 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 mashed potato in dough. <laughs> Why wouldn't you?
1: It's so good. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to hear your description of how they taste. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they sound, they sound very, very delicious. I had heard of them, but I, I just, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've ever had them. Um, so we've got to fix yeah, this. Adding it to the list, to the ludicrously long list. It is quite <laughs> ludicrously long. Oh my gosh. Uh, but we, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> Yeah. someday or another. You know what? It's life day next week, everybody. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you can see our past episodes on pickles, uh, bagels, latkes, jelly donuts, pierogies. I think like some of these might seem a bit of uh, a bit off of the path that we're going on, but Similar threads and, and, and yeah. important pieces into this story.
0: Certainly, uh, historically speaking, yeah. Um, mm. uh, also, for kind of related food categories, um, maybe empanadas and quiche and meat pies.
1: Yeah. there. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of
0: threads. A lot of
1: threads. There are. Uh, which I guess brings <laughs> us uh, to a uh, question. Oh, yeah knishes. What are they?
0: Well, uh, a knish is a type of small pie or like large dumplings. Maybe uh, it's a filling in a purse of dough that is then either baked or fried until golden brown. They are single serving, uh, like a snack or a side dish served warm. That filling is perhaps most popularly mashed potato seasoned with onion, uh, but seasoned kasha, which is buckwheat, or seasoned fresh cheese. uh, Both of those are also common, and it can be anything, really, um, although they are almost always savory. Sweet knishes are, are rare. Um, the dough is often more pastry-like than, than bread-like and can range in texture from thin and flaky to thicker and chewier. Uh, depending on the style and the filling, you can get like a little bit of a different vibe from a kanish, but generally speaking, they are, they are tender and comforting and carby and stick to your ribs. It's like, yeah, it's like a, like a New York empanada or, or a, or a New York samosa. Not that those things don't exist in New York City um, it's like it's like being wrapped in a blanket uh, but it's like you're the filling and the and the knish is is wrapping you
1: hmm. Oh, you know my horror brain tried to make it into a horror but it was too lovely So, <laughs> oh, wow you should take that as a,
4: yeah. a, a good mark that's a high compliment <laughs> <Heck>. right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, okay, there are two basic varieties of knish. Um, there are ones where the dough completely surrounds the filling, um, and often these are square and deep fried, uh, and usually a little denser and, and chewier in texture. They uh, they look like a like a big fried ravioli and are sometimes colored a deep golden yellow on the outside. Uh, these are more likely to be mass produced. And then there are ones where the filling uh, peeks out at the top uh, a little bit, and these are uh, often round and baked instead of deep fried. Usually a little lighter and fluffier in texture. Uh, they, they look like a like a big shumai. Yeah, uh, these are more likely to be handmade. And people, I don't know if you're going to believe this, have strong opinions about which is the correct type of knish. What? I don't... <laughs> No. <laughs> like this type is the correct one. The other one is not even a Kanish. If you're out of this type, I'm not even gonna gonna take that other one. I do not have time for that kind of direct in my life. Like don't <laughs> don't come at me with that false Kanish.
1: Ooh, do you have a, a preference?
0: Um, i I love both um mm-hmm. uh i I will say I grew up with the square deep fried ones um mm-hmm. so that's what I think of when I think of a kanish but I'm not both are good yeah if you're gonna put a filling in dough and give it give it to me <laughs> I'm... <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like all mm. right
1: <laughs> sounds good <laughs> yeah
0: mm-hmm. uh and and there are also some outliers like I'm um, like canishes that are made with like a thicker breadier dough like almost like hollow like but yeah. Uh but let's talk about the fillings. Uh the fillings. I I feel like the base flavor of a knish um you know we've been talking about these starches that go into them but the base flavor is really just like caramelized onion like like onion that's been cooked down in in chicken fat or or schmaltz. Um and that whatever else is going on is sort of just there for the texture. It's really about that good strong onion flavor. Uh, like I said, uh, mashed potato is common or kasha or an unaged cheese like cottage cheese or cream cheese um, or maybe a, a pre-cooked ground meat. Um, generally, any of these are going to be mixed together with egg to give them a sort of um, spongy coherence, Yeah, like a like a like a meatball uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and seasoned anywhere from from simply with salt and pepper to something a little bit more complex if you want to go there. These days, you can find all kinds of fillings, Uh, uh, combos of the above with maybe vegetables like uh, spinach or sweet potato or mushrooms or uh, uh, blended broccoli. I read about one made with turnip and kale, uh, maybe bits of pastrami, uh, uh, breakfast knishes with scrambled eggs and corned beef hash, uh, mashed plantains and uh, mojo sauce, uh, sweet fillings like apple or cherry and cheese. Basically, whatever you're doing here, you, you just want it to be um, tender and soft and, and nice on the inside with a little bit of chew and maybe a little crisp on the outside from from that crust, uh, like pillowy, but but in like a, like a oof, I'm full now kind of pillowy way. Oh. Again, like you are the pillow. <laughs> you have become the pillow. By consuming the
1: pillow, you have become the pillow. All right. No, well, now we're entering into horror movie territory. Okay. But yeah. So it's still nice. <laughs> um, and I, my mouth is like watering. This sounds so good. Uh, <laughs> well, what about the nutrition?
0: Canishas um, <laughs> uh, tend to be calorically dense, uh, high in fats and starches. They can have a decent punch of protein and micronutrients depending on your fillings there Uh, like they will fill you up and help keep you going but i'd I'd classify this as a treat um you know especially if they've been deep fried uh eat a eat a vegetable yeah
1: yeah drink some water drink some water yeah (laughs) you know you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh we have a couple numbers for you
0: we do um uh, as of 2014, the world record for knish eating uh, was 11 knishes in
1: 18 minutes. That's a lot. Interesting. That is a lot. And that's, okay. There's a history fact that I'm kind of comparing this to. Okay. okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, although I don't know the size of the knishes in question. I imagine that mm-hmm. they were on the large size because, oh, and I, I guess I should have said, like, like, these can range anywhere from like like an hors d'oeuvre size mm. to, but but more commonly they're sort of like the size of your palm. Oh, okay. Or maybe like right. the size of like my palm.
6: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah. But okay. but, so but, but like sometime, a bigger ravioli. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not a smaller one, but a bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that clarifies things.
0: Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> as uh-huh. of another number for you. As of uh, 2013, Gabilla's, uh, which is a major producer, were producing over 15 million kinnishes a year in their Long Island factory. Um, wow. are if, if you're unfamiliar with them, but maybe for some reason you've been to Katz's Deli, because that's like a really popular tourist deli um, in New York, because uh, it's where they filmed When Harry Met Sally. Anyway, mm-hmm. um or a part of when Harry met Sally, the famous orgasm scene. Um but but yeah, they're they're uh the the canishes that they
1: sell at Katz's are uh uh gabillas. So there you go. Ooh. yeah, that did come they did come up a lot in this research, and I have been. I did not get the canish though. No. Oh well Missed Opportunity. Uh-huh. <laughs> missed uh-huh. opportunity. Well, next time. Uh but we do have a lot of history, and a lot of New York history specifically.
0: Uh, we do, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And this is still not the potato episode. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Uh, Popular Uh, feeling. But one day, we've done so many around it. I feel like we're in like a spiral. We're slowly (laughs) closing in. Oh, I am always in a potato spiral. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, standard disclaimer. I mean, it's not super standard, but kind of standard. Uh, the history of stuffing dough with a filling, uh, usually whatever is available, spicing it and baking it or frying it is a long history. And it's uh-huh. a branching history. It is such a wonderful and overwhelming <laughs> snapshot of a culmination of histories and cultures. So this is one of the things yeah. in the branching history.
0: Yes. Um, and I will say that we did go a lot into pie history in the meat pies episode.
1: Yes. I, I think we've discussed it in a few, but definitely, definitely yeah, that one. Definitely that one. Um the early history of Canishes is one Laura and I were discussing uh was hard to find a lot about it. Um but it is one that is entwined with so many of these these traditions of these the fillings in dough that are cooked. Um, but many do attribute knishes to Jewish communities from Eastern Europe, perhaps particularly what is now Poland and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were filling like they filled you up and they could stretch for a long time and they could be stuffed with whatever you had on hand. So they, they were very useful in in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: the first written record of knishes may be from 1614. In what's now Ukraine? Um, feelings weren't mentioned in that reference, uh, but that would have been a little early in the timeline for potato to have been involved,
1: right? And so, I most of the, the information we found and the sources we found do tell the story of Kanishas in New York, <laughs> right. Right. Um and and so there is a lot to talk about there too. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: because like however however they they originated, um they really became their own specific thing, the thing that we are talking about today when they immigrated with Ashkenazi Jews to New York City.
1: Yes, and that is something that we've talked about before because there there were these waves of millions of Jewish immigrants largely from central and eastern Europe that arrived to the US and perhaps particularly New York, uh, in the early 1900s, and we've talked about how they fundamentally impacted and shaped the culinary landscape of that city, and Mm -hmm. Knish's are one piece of that. Um, And they do have a long and storied history in that city, and uh, one... (laughs) And one author, Laura Silver, documented this whole thing in her 2014 book, Kanish, in search of the Jewish soul food, which Mm. was very helpful in this research. So thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to that book for sure. Mm -hmm. And the whole inspiration behind this was after her favorite Kanish shop in New York shut down and it was one that like generations of her family had frequented. She just started investigating.
0: Yeah, and this was like a seven-year-long project. Like, like, like Mrs. Yes. Stalls shut down in 2005. This book didn't come out until 2014. So, like, the entire journey was nearly
1: a decade. Yes, uh, and I love this. Uh, Silver said in an interview once, "People used to say the streets in New York are paved in gold. No, they're not. They are paved in knishes." <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Is so good. Uh, <sighs> yes. Uh, all right. So some some history of the Kanish in New York. The first Kanish bakery opened in that city in 1910. And many others proliferated after that, along with the number of delis and groceries offering them. Those those also went up. Um, at least one of the bakeries that opened that that year, 1910, Yona Schimmel. Jonas Schimmel's Kanish Bakery is still operating, and I checked. Uh, mm-hmm. Still going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing covered in Silver's book is the 1916 Kanish Wars <laughs> of, of the Lower East Side of New York, uh, which was reported on by the New York Times mm-hmm. with the headline, Rivington Street Sees War. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So, there's actually a lot going on here, and we're going to condense it, but it's really a tale of price wars and intense competition. Okay, so the extremely condensed version of this whole thing uh, is that several, several, a lot of Jewish immigrants, uh, many from Eastern and Central Europe, were living in New York's Lower East Side uh, at this time of these Kanish Wars. Uh-huh. So from 1880 to 1924, 2.4 million largely impoverished Jewish people settled in the U.S. and an estimated 75% in the Lower East Side, Mm -hmm. um, which was 700 people per acre. And that's from the Library of Congress. Um, Many spoke Yiddish, and there was uh, certainly a lot of shared culture, including around food. The Lower East Side was home to over 5 million people by 1910, uh, which, if you'll remember, is when the first Kanish Bakery opened. Um, But the packed nature of that community meant that um, over half of the fire deaths in the city at the time were out of the Lower East Side, Uh, Many people didn't have indoor heating, lighting, or plumbing. But despite these issues, there was an undeniable sense of community. Mm -hmm. Okay, so against this backdrop, an Austrian man named Max Green began selling a knish described as, quote, mashed potatoes with onions and a sprinkling of cheese all wrapped up like an apple dumpling from his Lower East Side establishment on Rivington Street. For five cents each. Okay. 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 Um, And it was really popular, so much so that a competitor named M. London set up a restaurant called the United Knish Factory (laughs) right across the street. Oh. Right across the street. So, in response, Green cut his price for what he deemed the, quote, real and original (laughs) Knish from five cents to three cents London debuted a cabaret show for his place. Green hired a German band for his Oh my goodness. London hung up signs proclaiming his caniche to be the very best in the world. Green gave customers coupons with the promise of prizes. Um and the story goes <laughs> the story goes Lauren that one Kanish eater at Green's restaurant ate 20 knishes in one go to win a pocket knife and had to be carried home as the story goes but oh that's why goodness. like the I don't oh, know how long yeah. this took sure um hmm. but that kind of cracks me up <laughs> um how did the knish war end no one seems to know i think it was just this one article that was like look at this competition <laughs> happening yeah <in> <laughs>
0: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> it honestly is. I love how they're like, oh, I see your cabaret and I'll raise you a German band. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Uh, and this whole thing was depicted in the recent children's book, The Kenish War on Rivington Street by Johan Oppenheim. So you can learn even more about it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the first pushcarts selling knishes in New York City started operating in the late 1920s. Uh, several knish makers that Silver profiled in her book told a larger story and were almost something of legends. <laughs> like, I was reading about them, and they—they they just have that vibe of yeah, mm. just the local legend kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one named Ruby Oshinsky sold his knishes out of a cart in Brooklyn. Or out of a van that he'd outfitted with an oven in the Catskills in the summers. (laughs) Um, And his reputation led to a song getting written about him. Uh, I couldn't find the song. So I don't know how big of a deal it was. But somebody wrote a song about him. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Gussie Schweibel? And I hope I'm getting close on that one. Uh, came extremely close to getting Eleanor Roosevelt to try her product, to try her canishas. But crowds outside of Roosevelt's apartment got the delivery turned away. Oh, but it was like ooh, curses. Ooh, yes, yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah, canishas uh, yeah, were a, a popular snack at the amusement parks around Coney Island around this time as well. Um, and they were such a popular food that eating them was like a known uh, photo op or campaign trail stop for politicians. Wow. It's wow. like, gotta go kiss some babies and eat some knishes.
1: <laughs> kiss the babies, eat the knishes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, New York chain Knish Nosh opened <laughs> <laughs> in 1952. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Sarah Kasdan
0: published her cookbook uh, called Love and Knishes, An Irrepressible Guide to Jewish Cooking. In 1956. Um, and this was also around the time that some female Jewish comedians started using uh, the term kanish as slang for female genitalia.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. Um, but this was, yeah, the 50s also was around the time that we saw a decline of Jewish bakeries and delis that sold knishes, um for reasons ranging from gentrification to demand to pricing to regulations around food carts. Mm-hmm. Um, and this decline has recently been reversing. There's been a lot of um, Jewish chefs, especially kind of, you know, being like, no, no, we got to bring this back. Uh, but gentrification in particular is still a real issue. Sure. Uh, and then Heather Quinlan's 2013 documentary Delving Into delving into the New York Accent was called If These Kanishes Could Talk. The story of the New York accent. And I want to watch. I love stuff about it, like oh, into the yeah. history of accents. So I really, really want to check that out. Oh yeah. Oh, that stuff is so fascinating.
0: Um mm-hmm. uh yeah. Uh, also in 2013, there was something of a knish panic when that popular brand Gabillas, uh, uh their factory, caught fire. Um, and like this was in like October-ish, I think, like late September, early October, maybe. Um, and it was a couple months before they got going again. Um, there were there were headlines about a knish famine <laughs> and oh. <laughs> knish crisis. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but as far as I can tell, uh, everyone pulled through those those troubled times.
1: When you need your comfort food. Yeah.
0: And if they're knishes, I understand. And those round knishes will not do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, only the square ones, <laughs> or else. Oh my gosh, I love stuff like that. Though that's—I uh, mean—not your Kanish crisis, but like oh, your, sure. your preferences and your. I cannot go without my Kanish yeah. of the certain type, um, and it does. I mean, as someone who I believe has never had one, it does sound like a very comforting, nostalgic. Oh yeah, food.
0: Yeah, um, I'll say that the the cravings were really personal
1: <laughs> in this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I gotta have some. I would love if listeners, if you send in, where can I get them? Can I make them? Oh yeah. I mean, you oh yeah, oh there's so many recipes.
0: Yeah, you can definitely please. make them. Um I can I can try to find you some around
1: Atlanta. My gosh, Lauren. This savor feast. <laughs> Is becoming a beast that I'm a little worried we cannot tame. Um.
0: I haven't even been keeping track, so I don't know if you have a list. Uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> My voice is doing the oh. high-pitched nervous thing. Oh, no. Okay. I'm
1: just saying there's a lot on the table. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I very much want to try Kanish's. And I will not let it become a thing of stress. So we can do this. Okay. Do this. Okay.
0: I I think it's going to be just fine.
1: I think so, too.
0: <laughs> I still sound a little <laughs> nervous. It's okay. <laughs> I'm imagining, like,
1: our saver table being all set up and then somehow all the food comes alive and that's the end. Oh, no. Well, listeners, you'll know what happened. Oh, no. Um Yeah. We we flew too close we... <laughs> <laughs> to the Sabre Sun <laughs> Oh crushed under the weight
0: of our own of our own table.
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hubris. There's a there's a message there. There's there a is. lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Wow. I think that's what we have to say about Ganesha's for now. I
0: I think it is. Uh, We do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Visit Pronamel.com.
7: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip.
1: Ah. Yeah. a warm hug. That's yeah. what a kanish sounds like to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, also pillow, as you said multiple times. Okay. So before we read these listener mails, I thank you to all of you who have answered our call for pictures of animals in costumes <laughs> and or not in costumes. <laughs> Uh, Because we have a lot of them, and they're all so adorable and so cute and and the very best. Every single one is perfect. They're perfect. That being said, I do feel sorry for listeners listening, because essentially what you're going to have to deal with is us trying to explain these pictures, (laughs) and it's just not as good. It's just not the same. Um, We're going to do our best, but, but just know... We appreciate it so much. Uh, yes, and we we do we do have a lot of them, and I wish we could share all of them with you because they're so cute. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. And I and I will say I know that I like never post on social. When I say I'm going to post on social, I get busy and then I forget. Um. Mm-hmm. But uh. But if you include if if anyone in the future sends in a photograph, um, and it's okay. For us to post it on the saver, um, uh, like, Twitter or Instagram, um, uh, then tell us. Tell us in the email, hey, this is okay to post. Um, yeah. And and then, I don't know if I'm more likely to post it, but, you know, <laughs> anything can happen. The universe is full of possibility.
6: It's true. <laughs>
1: it's true. It feels like a very d d thing to say. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, yeah, because th- these are so... They're so wonderful, and we would love to share them. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll do we'll do our best. So I'm going to start with Colleen, who okay. sent in a bunch of spider pictures <laughs> after we asked for them specifically. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so Colleen wrote. Well, you asked for spider pictures, and as an admirer, I have lots, but try to choose the most interesting. One of the spiders I love is the European crab spider that can change its color depending on where it is, which is often in a flower. The duck spider is our largest. They are huge. I particularly like the green fangs and the wolf spider. Hmm. I worked as a professional gardener for many years, so met a lot of spiders. Never been bitten. Hmm. I am in eastern Ontario, Canada. Uh, Thanks for your great podcast. I find it very entertaining and relaxing. It also gets me to check out new foods and dishes. A funny thing I had once with your podcast is I noticed you both sounded very chipper in some episodes. And I thought, wow, they must have been drinking a lot of coffee or something. It turns out I was playing you at 1.25 speed times speed by accident. I figured it out when the music was faster, too. You know, no worries. Some people like to listen to it like that and I Yeah. Wh- whatever you like. I don't care.
0: Yeah, if that's what you're into. I mean, if you if you like chipper, Lauren, and Annie, then go with it.
1: I will also say coffee is involved. Um Oh
0: coffee is always involved. I Yeah. Always.
1: Yes. So it's not that there isn't coffee. Um but perhaps you're listening to it, like I usually have two cups. maybe you're hearing Annie if she had like six cups or something. um, you know, just the levels of coffee there can be there can certainly be, yeah, uh-huh um
0: yeah i am I'm, I'm usually drinking a cup while we're recording, um, and we're usually recording at like four in the afternoon, and <laughs> Annie usually looks at me like that is just the wildest thing
1: <laughs> she has it ever is. heard of. <laughs> I stop drinking coffee by noon. Wow! But usually, I'm actually done by ten. But I noon is my hard cut off because and, uh, caffeine is it affects me very strongly. That's, <laughs> no,
0: hey, hey, knowing yourself, that's good. That's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, also, these spider pictures. I know some of you are listening and are like, "Oh my gosh, spiders!" But they're actually very cute. Um, a lot of them are very, very cute.
0: I, I'm very fond of <laughs> spiders
1: they're mm-hmm. they're adored they can be adorable they absolutely can and like the coloring in oh, a lot of so them cool. i know very very cool so thank you for sending this Colleen. Mm-hmm. yes um <laughs> uh, ashley wrote i know it's late
0: but i thought you'd appreciate that i dressed up my dogs for halloween uh specifically blink who was a chef He's always trying to taste what we make or clean the dishes, so I thought being a chef for Halloween would be a great costume. Uh, Riley, uh, a German Shepherd, is a referee because he's always refereeing the other two dogs playing. Uh, Hank, uh, the English Staffordshire Bull Terrier, is a spooked Scooby Doo.
1: <laughs> Those are excellent and excellent.
0: Yes, yes. Oh my goodness! Particularly, I, I do. I mean, like I'm biased because this is a food show, but but blank. In his little chef's hat that says "blink" across the front, (laughs) that's pretty good.
1: There, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, And I love how much thought you put (laughs) into their personalities and their costume. Like, legitimately, that is, I, my heart is swelling (laughs) with happiness.
0: (laughs) Yes, and all three of them are are very good boys. Very yes,
1: very very adorable. Mm -hmm. Um.
0: The spiders yes. are also good. Um, yes.
1: Whatever they are, good spiders. good spiders. Good spiders. There you go. Yeah. So we we have received listeners a lot of these. So you're <laughs> going to be hearing us describing people's pets and costumes, or just spiders, not in costume, uh, in the future. But keep those coming. We do love them. Yes. So, yes. Uh, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in.
4: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
5: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast.